Hello, I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. This podcast homily for Easter Day is the first in a series of seven podcast homilies for Easter Day through Sunday after Ascension Day. Listeners may benefit from the AIC seasonal video series, Eastertide, From Resurrection to Ascension, presented in three episodes, each linked from the digital library page, with the MP3 podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. This series offers a brief history of the evolution of Easter and the traditional method of calculating the date of Easter, plus its effects upon the celebrations of Epiphany and Trinity seasons. Anglican traditions of Easter through Ascension, including the seasonal color and fasting traditions, and commentary on the Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Easter Day, Monday and Easter week, Tuesday and Easter week, all five Sundays after Easter, Ascension Day, and Sunday after Ascension Day in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Easter Day, Monday and Easter week, and Tuesday and Easter week are discussed in Episode 1. Today we joyously celebrate the mighty resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The great hymnologist Isaac Watts, based upon Psalm 18, verses 24 to 29, put the psalm into musical form with, This is the day the Lord hath made, which is hymn number 885, arranged to the tune Arlington in the St. Chrysostom hymnal. This is the day the Lord hath made, he calls the hours his own. Let heaven rejoice, let earth be glad, and praise surround the throne. Today he rose and left the dead, and Satan's empire fell. Today the saints his triumph spread, and all his wonders tell. Blessed be the Lord who comes to men with messages of grace, who comes in God his Father's name to save our sinful race. Thanks to the pioneering work of the great 19th century Anglican clergyman, hymn writer, and historian John Mason Neal, we know more about how the early church celebrated Easter at Antioch. The now lost 4th century great church built on an island at Antioch, was at the time the largest church in Christendom. The Christian community at Antioch descended from the mission founded by St. Paul and is also where the faithful first call themselves Christians. In one of his books, Neil describes a great platform on which were seated the bishops of Antioch and Constantinople, the seat of the Eastern Roman Empire, and the Byzantine emperor himself. At the stroke of midnight, the altar candles on the platform were lit by the patriarch of Constantinople. Then, in the midnight darkness, one of the altar candles was used to light the candles of those near the front of the altar. 
and from there the light spread quickly, quickly across the great field, becoming a glorifying light of thousands upon thousands of thousands of tiny candle flames. This tradition quickly spread. In the period after the Protestant Reformation, it was taken up by the Anabaptists in Eastern Europe. In the Easter morning service I developed for use in my former parish on Easter morning, the service begins with the phrase, Come ye and take light from the eternal light and glorify Christ who is risen from the dead. In the Eastern tradition, carried on in the Western Church by the use of antiphons and gradual verses, the Easter service opens with a deacon suddenly entering the church and proclaiming in a loud voice, Christ is risen from the dead. The people respond with, Indeed, he has risen from the dead. This ritual is preserved in Anglican morning prayer in the opening sentence for Easter. He is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. And the verse and response before the Venite between Easter, between Monday and Easter week and Ascension Day, the Lord is risen indeed with the response, O come, let us worship him. Also in my former parish, I hung the Eastern Orthodox Resurrection icon, the harrowing of Hades, on the front of the pulpit throughout Eastertide. The central figure is Jesus Christ, surrounded in glory, depicted as a, as a blue oval. He stands with both feet firmly on the gates of Hades, with one hand pulling Adam and Eve from the pit. In the pit below him are the keys referred to in Revelation, I hold the keys to Hades and death, and one figure, still bound in shrouds and chains, lies in the pit, representing the unrighteous dead who will not be raised on Christ's second coming. At Jesus' right hand, the left side of the icon, stands John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament. A central word in any traditional Easter morning celebration should be ransom, or as St. John called it in his epistle, propitiation. By this selfless act, giving his own life upon the cross for our redemption, Jesus has ransomed us from our guilt of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. His resurrection completes the cycle of God's divine economy, which the Father had in mind but kept from mankind from the beginning of the world. By his propitiatory sacrifice of himself upon the cross, God and man have been reconciled. In the modern church, we tend to forget that there is another aspect of ransom, in the early church understanding, it was clear that the one who is ransomed owes a debt to the one who ransomed him or her. The great Christian hymn writer Charles Wesley captured the same thought in his Ascension Day hymn, Our Lord is Risen from the Dead, which is hymn number 105 in the St. Chrysostom hymnal. 
in which he incorporated phrases from Psalm 27, verses 7 to 10, into the New Testament accounts of Good Friday, the Resurrection, and Ascension. Who is the King of glory? Who? The Lord that all our foes o'ercame, that sin and death and hell o'erthrew, the Lord of bounteous power possessed, the King of saints and angels too. By his propitiatory death on the cross, Jesus gave mankind not only redemption, but also the gift of everlasting life in the kingdom of God. It was well understood in the early church that this gift also included a condition or obligation. Honor that sacrificial gift by living a Christian life. This means that we cannot shift the burden of our sins back to Adam or to the evil one. It means we have a choice. We have the gift of a free will to do the work of the Lord. The best parallel to the idea of a gift and a condition is found in the Old Testament in the story of Esau and Jacob, the two sons of the patriarch Isaac. Esau, the oldest, should have inherited the blessing from his father Isaac, but Esau held his father's faith in contempt and, seeing no value in it, sold his birthright to his younger brother Jacob, for a bowl of lentils. Esau symbolizes the Jews who rejected Jesus, refusing to accept him as the promised Messiah. On the other hand, the faithful who accept Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of the Father are symbolized by Isaac's son Jacob, who valued the inheritance God offered. Esau, by his life and conduct, rejected all that Isaac offered him. Jacob, by his conduct, accepted the promise of an inheritance, living a righteous life. It is not for nothing that the Old Testament and the New Testament speak of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and not Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Today, in the 21st century, we have the same choice. We can be like Jacob and accept the condition of the inheritance modified by Christ's ransoming death upon the cross and the belief that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, begotten before all worlds. We must live our lives according to God's commandments and Jesus' new commandment of loving one another and always honoring our Creator. Traditional Christians also believe that this kind of life is best lived within a church community of like-minded Christians. The alternative is stark. Be like Esau, disinherited, dishonored. Or, as Episcopal Church Bishop George Hodges of Boston said in 1904 concerning the events of the cross, we can come to the feast poor and go away rich, or come poor and depart poor. The choice is ours. 
other AIC resources on topics discussed in this podcast timely for Easter Day are available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Seasonal videos and Christian educational videos are linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions of all three from the podcast archive page. Information about pricing, ordering, and availability of AIC bookstore publications is available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage. The first of these resources is Eastertide from Resurrection to Ascension, which I mentioned at the beginning, an AIC seasonal video series including the Harrowing of Hades icon in the title slides. From the AIC Bookstore publication, Layman's Lexicon, it includes entries for Hades on pages 99 to 102, Messiah on 146 to 147, Propitiation 176 to 178, Satan 198 to 202, and Second Coming on 202 to 203. In Occasional Services for Anglican Worship, I include the text of Bishop Hodges' comments on Good Friday on pages 75 and 100, and the text of the Easter morning processional on pages 103 to 111. In Revelation, an idealist interpretation, you'll find quotations and discussions of Jesus' references to Hades and death in Revelation 20 on pages 163 to 172. The St. Chrysostom Hymnal includes among the hundreds of hymns not in the venerable 1940 hymnal, Charles Wesley's Ascension Day hymn, Our Lord is Risen from the Dead, and Isaac Watts's composition, This is the Day the Lord Hath Made. The first closing prayer is from the traditional Eastern Orthodox liturgy of St. Basil the Great. The second is the first of the two collects for Easter Sunday in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer, which Archbishop Cranmer wrote for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer based upon the Gregorian and Gelasian sacramentaries of the Roman Church and the Sarum Liturgy of the Church in England. Keep in mind that in 1549 A.D. the word prevent has the opposite of its modern meaning. O Christ, our Master and God, King of the ages, Maker of all things, we thank Thee for all the good gifts that Thou hast given us, and especially for Thy ransoming death for our sins and for participation in Thy pure and life-giving mystery of the Eucharist. We pray Thee, therefore, gracious Lord, that lovest all men, preserve us under Thy protection, and beneath the shadow of thy wings, and grant us even to our last breaths to partake worthily and with a pure conscience of thy holy things, and this day and in the days and years to come, unto remission of sins and unto life eternal. For thou art the bread of life, the well of holiness, the giver of all good gifts, To thee we ascribe glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. 
Almighty God, who through thine only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, hast overcome death and opened unto us the gate of everlasting life, we humbly beseech thee that, as by thy special grace preventing us, thou dost put into our minds good desires, so by thy continual help we may bring the same to good effect. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.